Hey, it's Steve from Utah. I am so excited about the conversation uh, I'm about to have. I'm in a room with Luke Zamperini. Now, that name might sound familiar to you from a story about his father, but it's not just any story. Luke, welcome to Utah. And talk to who is your dad? What's tell us his name? I mean, I know he's Italian. I'm Italian, so we got the Italian connection going. But there's something bigger going on here. Well, first, Steve, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure here to be here and meet with you today. Um, Louis Zamperini, my father, uh, was a, um, a juvenile delinquent back in the 1920s and 30s. And uh, oh, about the time he was 14 or 15 years old, uh, his brother and the chief of police in the city of Torrance, California, got together and worked out a plan for him. And they got him involved in athletics. And, of course, the chief of police had uh, suggested uh, running because they'd been chasing him all over the time for years and <laughs> couldn't catch him. So Good choice. Uh, he, he, within, really, within a year, he had uh, broken the, the uh, world high school record for the mile at 4 minutes, uh, 23 seconds. Wow. And uh, that lasted for 19 years before that was broken by another huh. high schooler. And then he went on uh, from there to uh, qualify for the 1936 Olympics, not in the mile, because they already had their team full. Interesting. The only thing that was open to him was the 5,000 meters. And he'd never run that before. Huh. So he, he took one practice run at it, and then he went to uh, Randall's Island in New York to compete for the team. So the second time he ran the 5,000 meters, he tied the world record holder who he was running against, a guy named Don Lash, and made it to the 1936 Olympics. Uh, the Olympics uh, they were held in Berlin. Uh, Interesting time. Adolf Hitler. And so the Olympics were Jesse Owens uh, single-handedly defeated the notion of the Aryan supremacy. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Jesse and a guy named Mac Robinson, who was the brother of Jackie Robinson, who broke the color barrier okay. in, uh, in Major League Baseball, uh, they were uh, assigned uh, to look after my dad, who was their roommate there in the Olympic Village, mm. to keep him out of trouble, them being the senior guys and him being the punk kid. <laughs> With the reputation of being a delinquent. And being a delinquent. And so, you know, when he, when he competed, you know, you see all these guys... You know, that were competing for the Olympics, running with their university name on their shirt, you know, like, you know, Indiana or, you know, Northwestern. <laughs> and here he's got Torrance, the name of his high school, <laughs> on his chest as he's crossing the finish line. So uh, they were tasked with keeping him out of trouble. Now, of course, to get to Europe in those days, this was 1936, you had to go by boat. And so they put the entire team on the USS President Roosevelt, huh. and uh, it was a cruise ship, and they, they spent the whatever it was, uh, 12 days or so to get across the North Atlantic. And uh, there was also the Olympics of the boys in the boat. You remember that, yes. uh, that story that came out a while ago? And the, the guy who wrote the boys in the boat had remarked that one of his teammates was a voracious eater and could out-eat everybody on that ship except Louis Zamperini. Uh, my dad had uh, he'd never seen so much food in his life uh, when you know growing up in in Torrance California they had to scrounge for food my grandmother would make mudhead cacciatore if they'd go out huh. and shoot some mud hens and they would go out to the San Fernando Valley and hunt deer and stuff so they were living off the land pretty much so wow. he ate and he ate and he ate and by the time he competed he had gained 14 pounds oh my goodness that's quite a bit of weight uh, for an Olympic runner. It certainly is. So he got to the final heap of the 5,000 meters. 
but he couldn't uh, win the race because he was just too overweight. My hmm. uncle was furious, by the way. He said, you ate your way out of a gold medal. <laughs> because on the last lap of the 5,000 meters, you know, so each each uh, lap of the stadium is about a quarter of a mile. Mm-hmm. So the last lap, he sprinted. And he sprinted that last lap in 56 seconds, which was just unheard of. Was his style of running was to, was to pour it on at the end of the race. Okay. So he left the pack that he was in, just about lapped them catching up with the leaders. And so he, there was, he came in, he, he put it this way, he won eighth place. And, you know, of course, in those days, you know, when people say, how'd you place? Hey, I won third place, I won fourth yeah, place. Today yeah. they say, the guy who came in second is the fallen loser. Yeah, Which yeah. is another thing that he was angry about, is that, is that you get to the Olympics, you're a winner just by getting there. I think to sound like... Yeah, you know, no, I mean, just to make it to the Olympics yeah. is huge. So he gets there, and uh, he finishes the race, runs the last lap in 56 seconds, and, of course, everyone's on their feet cheering on this guy trying to catch the runners who's really pouring out the end of the sure. race. If you're watching a 5,000-meter race, it takes a while. Yeah, yeah, okay, just, so just a few minutes. There's finally some action, and yep. everyone's going crazy, including Adolf Hitler, who then wanted to meet the boy with the fast finish. So Hitler was there watching your dad, watching Louis run yes. do this, the 5,000. Yes. And so when he was done with his heat, he came back to his seat in the stands, and the Nazis came and got him and said uh, the Fuhrer wanted to meet him. And so he went up there with uh, Joseph Goebbels. Goodness. And was introduced and, uh, you know, uh, so Hitler wouldn't shake his roommate Jesse Owens' hand, but he extended his hand to my dad. And he just went, oh, it's a boy, it's a fast finish. Of course, my, my dad uh, afterwards now, once you finish your heat and there's like another week of Olympics to go, they do all the swimming events. Well, now he's just going to enjoy the Olympic Village and life in Berlin and eat some more. <laughs> eat some more. Yeah, he wanted to sample every type of food in the Olympic Village there was because there was food representing all of the, the different countries. Yeah. yeah, and then he wanted to sample every beer that was made in, in Germany. And what they had is they had automated beer machines. You get your a couple of Fennig and you'd stick it in the machine, and now you become a liter of beer. So he wanted to try all the different German. Oh beers. my goodness! So he did that. <laughs> he found himself wandering through the streets of Berlin, walks up to the Reich Chancellery building. This is Hitler's office building there. Huh. He's looking at this big, magnificent edifice and all these flags, all these Nazi flags hanging off the side of the building. Squad car, I mean, a, a, you know, a open-air limousine drives up. Hitler gets out of the car and goes in the building. And so then he's looking and goes, thinking, boy, you know, I certainly want a good souvenir. And there's these two guards that are walking you know, the full length of the building on hmm. the street there. And so he figures, well, I could time this right. If Right when they cross, if I start running from my position, and get up, I can get up and get that flag and, and get away before they see me. So that's what he did. And so he's dashing across the street, climbed up the side of the building. It was a little bit out of his reach. It took him a little longer to get to the flag, and he grabbed it, and just the weight of him holding onto it just ripped it off the pole onto the sidewalk he dropped. And then he heard, Hogsey, Hogsey, and he didn't know what to do except run, because run. he's a runner, of course, he's so he's running, <laughs> and then he uh, believes that they took a shot over his head to make him stop, and he stopped, and they came up, and they grabbed him, and they whipped him around, you know, and, uh, and they, they saw the, the Olympic buttons on his blazer, and they realized he was an Olympian, and so they said, who are you? They wanted his name, and he said, Louis Amparini, and I think the reason that they wanted to know his name was because there were two Jewish-American athletes that were on the team 
mm. uh, that year that were actually not allowed to compete when they got there. Uh, there was some kind of a uh, well, maybe an arrangement Berlin, so, or they were yeah. in Berlin or, or whatever, but uh, the the excuse coming from the Olympic uh, Committee was that they they you know these guys were supposed to be in the uh, quarter mile relays and they wanted the, the Mac Robinson and someone else to run in it that were faster. Mm. But uh, anyhow, so they the guards go into the building and they come out later on with the flag all folded up and says you can keep the flag because he said you know they said why'd you take it why'd you rip it off the building and he said well. I just wanted to have a souvenir of, of the wonderful time I had in this glorious and, and, and wonderful country, in this beautiful city. <laughs> and he really was impressed with Berlin yeah, because sure. it was, I mean, they were on their best behavior while the, the Olympic world was there. Um, and the streets were steam cleaned every day. It was, mm. just, it was like going to Disneyland. Wow. So, wow. But, uh, so anyhow, that, so he, he got to keep that. And we, we have that on display with other of his memorabilia in the... Municipal Airport for Torrance, California, which is called Zamperini Field. In oh, Arizona. nice! And nice. So that, uh, That's and very the, cool. The Historical Society Museum in downtown Torrance also has uh, much of his memorabilia. We have his whole Olympic gear on display. Luke, we could talk for days, I think, yeah. about your dad's story and about and and afterwards what what he ended up doing. Um, obviously. It's not all contained in the, the entire story isn't in all the books, nor is it in both films. We do want to encourage people to watch, see this second film. If you haven't seen the first one, Unbroken, you need to see it, but you definitely need to see Unbroken Path Redemption. You talk radio.